0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 23 of The Voice of Yamato. This is recorded on the Sunday, right after the complete annihilation of Team Vitality, a.k.a. Super Team. Two a week. Feels pretty good. Let me just uh, create a little quick document to record timestamps, so I can... uh, uh of course, post them right away. I' don't know if you guys like them. Start yeah well, this this weekend was fantastic um fantastic, not essentially because we um, we won you know winning is fun, of course, but you know, just the idea of what we've tried to work on. Basically, we, we had a weakness in terms of how we accelerate our leads. We had a weakness in terms of how we uh, open up on the map. We had a weakness in terms of, you know, how connected we are. And these are very normal weaknesses. You know, weaknesses sounds like such a terrible word, but it's just points of improvement, right? That's what weaknesses are. It's just points of improvement. And um, all in all, um, we, we worked on a lot that we got to show uh, this, uh, this weekend, and that makes me very happy. Um, I believe uh, that the team really came together, Uh, they gave each other great opportunities to to shine on the rift, and I feel like we are starting to to get into groove, into the groove. Uh, Nico3198, thank you very much for your subscription, I really, really appreciate it. it, it's good to see you again, I recognize your name from the last time you were here. Uh, Razork had uh, fantastic games on uh, on Volibar and and uh, and of course um, Viego and you know that feels good because I know that um, it's like of course I don't I don't as, as as sad as it may sound I don't value community opinion at all um, I just don't um, I understand how you know. Basically, imagine you have a completely flat surface. It's smooth everywhere. You you brush your hand on it, and um, you know it's it's completely smooth. And now you take something sharp. You stab it once, and you 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 make a little nick in it. Okay. And uh, then you once again you take your hand. You rub your hand over it. That's a little nick. You're going to notice every time you brush your hand over a surface that is seemingly perfect in any other way. And the reason I made this analogy, I'm telling you guys this analogy, is because as as humans, we are very fixated on negative. It's proven in how algorithms work, and it's proven in terms of how, you know, uh, the social media, you know, echo chambers tend to happen. And it's like, or, or the public opinion tends to be, you know, whenever there is something negative to 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 harp on about, then um, it's very common, and that that's going to be, you know, the main point of of conversation. But nevertheless, uh, public opinion it is what it is. You know, I don't think it matters at all, and I think public opinion most of the time, um, you know, comes from places of illogic. Um, sure there are cases where it's so painfully obvious that it's logical but uh, even when you know the whole world is against someone sometimes it might seem very illogical so how uh, you have to take it with a grain of salt but um, i'm happy uh, for Azok for having a fantastic weekend i'm happy for the team uh, for having a fantastic week you know everyone individuals really really stepping up and you know, it feels good when you work with a team of guys that can, that can back you up when you slip up, you know. Even when I slip up, you know, they back me up. You know, that feels good when someone on the rift slips up because it's impossible to to imagine that you're going to have five guys that play perfect all the time. They back each other up, and, and that's that's amazing. I'm very happy about that. The first game was against SK. I think it was just game over after the bottom dive, honestly. Um uh, it's like we, we baited the TP. We were very happy to walk out. Uh, they were playing LB. They just picked LB into rise, which was, which was very surprising. Just picked LB, and um, after that, uh, pretty much like Brom just flashed in, uh, gave away his whole team in that moment, and uh, then we just never let go. We we could set up another dive on both. They were on summoners. Um, very very gorgeous dives. It's like very crispy, like, crunchy dives that uh, are very, very enjoyable uh, to watch as a coach and also as a big fan of the game. Uh, Afterwards, just complete domination. SK couldn't really fight back. They were very far behind. They're trying to look for some opportunities to flank us, but we had good research on how uh, they are looking to flank us, and the boys just uh, covered their ass and managed to pick up a lot of free kills uh, due to that too. We also hit them kind of hard with the bands, I think, uh, forced them to rethink a little bit, and uh, it showed that they did so uh, coming, in the, in, coming into the match uh, against, uh, of course, Mad Lions. SK showed a new look, and in no shape or form uh, did we walk into the SK match disrespecting them. What I always tell my boys is, um, you know, let's prepare for the best version of SK possible and let's repay them in kind by showing them the best version of Fnatic possible so this is my, my approach to everything You know, like I, I always wish that we face the best possible version of the team that we are facing that's the only way you can truly uh, measure yourself so I'm happy when uh, the opposition uh, plays good but SK game was a uh, complete domination uh, we, we get a lead and we never let go the vitality game I think we had um, you know William Pike was very good pressure to bot lane like the 2v2 two, two two lane phase was just uh, so one-sided it was so one-sided um, it was crazy they managed to get some picks left and right you know but we we never let go, you know, it's like the only thing that giving up kills here and there is is things that we can improve on, you know, but all in all, we, the, the key thing is that you don't let it snowball in the moment, you know, it's like you, um, you pay the price for, you know, you pay the price for that one kill that you give away and that's about it you know you don't you don't need to pay further than that you just accept oh we lost the guy let's reassess what are they going to be able to take over this all is going to be good i don't know if i thanked harry skills for the subscription um just in case i didn't i'm just going to say it uh, again thank you i was just writing down some timestamps Where was I? And that's also a skill that you need to train, right? It's like how much how much are you giving up when your team actually makes a mistake? Like uh, being able to reassess and understanding the impact of a kill or 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 a mistake. Understanding and uh, realizing the impact real time is is definitely a skill that we've tried to hone, which is good. All in all, I think you know. Uh, we just got to play a TF game and the enemy team couldn't really force on us ever. So we could always choose uh, our fights and then keep in mind, looking at our champs, right? It's like we can climb every wall in the game, you know, it's like we're fucking, we are ready to climb the Mount Everest with this composition. It's like we have Pike with the invisibility, uh, we have Diego with the invisibility, we have Graves with uh, 15 dashes. And uh, Zeri is a champ that can jump every wall in the game. It's just so easy for us to choose the fights that are winning, and uh, stay away from the ones that are not. Um, and uh, their composition was, you know, much easier to play, I would say. And I think a game like that showcases the potential of the roster that we have on an individual basis with everyone. You know, it's like this. This. This is a this is a composition that no other team would be able to 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 play in the whole league maybe like maybe G2 but even that it's it's tough to imagine you know Uh, all in all it feels good you know when you can when you begin when you are in spring split and you begin to Go outside of the norm of what is basic in order for you to pick up wins. It's like picking Corky or whatever the fuck to just uh, get some easy slappers. Uh, that is, you know, you know, that is the definition for me of, of progression. It's a very good uh, checkpoint in a split. So I'm excited. I'm happy. Very happy about the weekend. Um, we're just going to keep working, keep, keep improving as a group. And um, that's the mission always. We're not going to slow down. Um, you know, it's like we, we have our next matches. The opponents don't matter too much. You know, I know the fans are very excited about um, the G2 games, the Astralis game, you know, two two good teams. Uh, we're just going to use them as uh, measurements uh, for for what we are good at and what we need to improve on. That's, that's all they are. All these other teams in the league... Uh, Oh, the only thing they are for me is uh, they are NPCs uh, Thank you very much, Pervasa6. They're NPCs. They're NPCs of, of our journey, like we, we, we are the main characters. They are NPCs Whatever comes our way, you know, we, we adjust to it. You know, this is This is the fanatic saga. That's the only thing that matters to me and uh, Once again, I hope we get to face the best version of Astralis and the best version of G two this weekend. Uh, um, I'm excited to play play up against them. Nevertheless, I make a little timestamp for the next topic of conversation: super server North America. So I am incredibly jealous of uh, what uh, North America has uh, created. I um, made a video a very long time ago in regards to how they could potentially fix North American SodaQ and a lot of the things that they are implementing were things that I suggested. The only reason I'm mentioning that is because I'm just uh, patting my own hand a little bit, you know, stroking my own little little ego here. Um, I made a video a long time ago. I was like, they need to restore credibility to uh, the ladder, and a way to do so is to Inject a cash prize or just make some kind of trophy uh, like that that's what I said in the video. Uh, I also mentioned that they should create a super server. Um, so i'm I'm very jealous of the super server, and I believe it's something that we need in Europe too. Uh, first and foremost, we are severely handicapped by the fact that the LEC is in Germany, and in Berlin. I should shouldn't say, say Germany. Uh, like the fact that we're in Berlin is like Berlin is a fantastic city. The people are lovely. It's a beautiful city. But in terms of what is what it should be first on the list, in terms of uh, you know building uh, you know infrastructure and using infrastructure uh, for uh, for an esports league. The main things that should come to mind is like airport quality, uh, you know, uh, accessibility around the city. It should be internet and uh, Berlin is very low on those lists. Um, At the same time, uh, a lot of uh, the pro teams were trolled uh, in season five when everything moved to Berlin uh, to pick up housing in Charlottenburg. And that was very true because this area is just so outdated in terms of internet, and the area is also very expensive. And for some reason, every EU team got debated into living in this area. And that was, of course, a disastrous take. Uh, Very silly indeed. Very expensive shit internet, and now you can see a lot of the teams are changing offices. Uh, This week we are going to change office, which is super exciting because finally we're going to have decent ping. Um, We had severe internet issues uh, throughout this whole split. This whole last year we just had severe internet issues. And uh, a lot of the time we were using 5G routers. We were just using SIM cards Uh, to play LEC matches because that was better than the only line that was offered in the office that we are currently staying in. We have Vodafone, one gigabit, two lines, doesn't matter. Complete garbage. Vodafone is a terrible company for people that are actively playing online games. Terrible company. Sure, for the average user that just wants uh, bandwidth is completely fine, but in terms of ping and packet loss and uh, peak usage hours, Vodafone can go fuck itself. Very angry at Vodafone. My previous apartment, that I stayed in for two years. Also, only thing that I could have is Vodafone. Trash. Hate it. Customer service, you call them, yo, I have packet loss, I'm getting completely molested by your internet provider, Uh, like the the service that you guys are providing that I'm paying 60 euro a month for, oh, sorry, the whole area is having problems. Well, that's fantastic. That's great comfort that everyone in the area is getting equally fisted as as I am. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that information with me. As you can hear, I am quite uh, uh, negative when it comes to the conversation of Vodafone, but I believe, in terms of the services they provided, this is exactly what they deserve. Uh, I don't put any blame on the customer service. I don't put any blame on um, the people that you uh, know work within the company. It's just, it is what it is, you know. Like I, I feel really, really bad for the people that have to work customer support for such a company. It's just. Crazy. I've had good experience with Eins und Eins. I've had good experience with Telecom. Uh, These are two companies that uh, seem pretty decent, honestly, at least in my personal experience. But I know that Telecom, people had issues with Telecom in the past, but at least it's better than Vodafone, that's for sure. There's also another company called Pure or something, something like that. I don't know what it's called. Uh, But. I wouldn't say that these internet issues is something that happens everywhere in Germany. But I can tell you, like, I was, when I stay at my girlfriend's parents' house, which is, um, you know, just a little city in the middle of nowhere, I have better paying, more stable internet. The bandwidth is like 50 up, uh, 50 down, like 10 up, 50 down and uh, and that's it you know and it's i'm perfectly happy it's like the expectations aren't too high you know it's just stability uh, that's what's um, the most important all in all new hq for hq for fanatic yes i hope everything happens uh, smooth and that we manage to get there in one piece all in all the reason I believe we need the super server as well, is we don't get to practice on the real ping, which is a severe disadvantage. Right now, solo queue is is a shithole. Honestly, it's a shithole. And um, that is a severe uh, competitive disadvantage. It's like, what is the mission of Challenger right now? What is the mission of Challenger. It's like the idea was that you are strong enough to be a challenger and then continue your journey into the esports world. That's how I at least imagined what challenges should represent. It's like if you're in top 100, you are representing the top 100 players of of Europe. But that is so far from the case. It used to be like that maybe in season 3, season 2, season 1. The ladder had a lot of weight and power. But now... There is so much cheese in the position that a lot of ELO is also inflated. We are also suffering from the problems of past seasons and, and abuse cases where people overinflated their ELO, where, where champions were broken for a couple of patches, or there was a strategy in place that was just completely disgusting and abused, and those people are still lingering around in higher ranks. I don't think a player that has got to challenger playing Nunu only or Janna only is, in fact, a top 100 player, right? But credits them, right? They found a strategy that works. They're beating other players through something that is very simple and easy. Um, but all in all, this creates a terrible experience for, for my players, for example, right? When they're trying to play solo queue in higher ranks, there's a Jana with smite, There's a singed with Predator mid lane, and then there's a bot lane that doesn't listen to pings. And that's a recipe for a game that has no correlation in terms of what you want to achieve in practice. And the biggest difficulty always with League of Legends is that there is very few efficient ways of practicing besides maybe 1v1s. There's the idea of blitz scrims, where you just play 10-minute scrims to just practice early game, and you just repeat, repeat, repeat. But we don't have even a sandbox tool that allows us to you know, load up Hextech soul maps just to try out strategies or to, to do something unique uh, together with multiple players. Uh, we cannot rerun scenarios. We can't practice 20-minute Drake setups. We can't uh, create 25-minute Nash setup uh, situations. We can't Uh, We can't make practice drills. So you begin to look at every aspect of your practice and what you can actually improve upon. And right now, European solo queue is also in a quite bad state, just as North America. It's a lot of streamers and so forth, Um, like... This has nothing to do with, 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 with like, uh, Babos. I think Babus is an interesting player. There's Drutut. There's, there we have a lot of good streamers that are playing, you know, uh, good League of Legends, but the issue is still, you know, the Predator players, the Smite players, you know, the uh, I wish we would receive something as strong and potent as North America has just received. I am just stating my jealousy. Because what they've gotten is, is truly something good. And uh, I think considering how big of a player base we have here and how many players are in the ERLs, I think it could create uh, a very powerful super server here in Europe too. And it would truly, truly uh, be be nice. Wild Rift solo queue is even worse than League. It's absolutely horrible. Well, I don't know about that too much. So uh, that's uh, completely up to you. The next topic I wanted to talk about the next topic I wanted to talk about, which is, you know, uh, might be frowned upon uh, by, by everyone, but I just wanted to mention this and to just bring it up because uh, some weeks ago I tweeted out who should I talk to on the voice of Yumato in regards to learn more about NFTs. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, it's like I own a couple of NFTs just to have enough skin in the game to be curious about learning. And I'm not going to, say, to tell you which NFTs I own the same way I don't tell you guys which crypto uh, currencies I own because I know that there are fans out there that would just think as simple as, wow, Yamato doing it, it must be good. But in no shape or form I, I, have I spent enough time to do the research about any of these topics. So I would never put my opinion on these topics out there for digestion, right? I understand that I have a, amounted a significant following on Twitter, for example, for what I do in League of Legends, right? If I begin to talk about other topics, and, and that's, of course, fine, and that's my right, I know that there's people out there that might, you know, just take what I'm doing and copy-paste it. I am. so I have enough skin in the game and and I'm curious because always you know the same things be, be, are like repeated, and i am like like the, the the concept of nfts it's 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 an intriguing one to learn about like anything you know there's there's always a conversation in my mind how do I create generational wealth and in order for me to, to achieve that, I believe I need to be very, very early in being a part of something that uh, might become great. But that also comes with the risk that it might just be complete garbage, right? Uh, that's just a part of it, right? you know? For for every Amazon that's been created, there's been a thousand companies or even more that are just complete garbage and your your dollar that you would have invested just turned to zero, right? But I'm at the point in my life where I feel steady enough to be able to take, you know, I don't need to, you know, just go uh, into S&P 500 and, and you know, uh, you chill. I don't need to do that just yet, you know? I'm doing that with some of the things that I own, but uh, but all in all, I like to be uh, on the more riskier side. Nevertheless, I am doing research on NFTs because I'm curious, you know. It's like a lot of smart people are saying that NFTs are the future. A lot of smart people are saying that it's um, it's uh, it's just garbage and... Uh, it's, it's interesting to try to pursue the truth because it's very easy to just take opinions and make them your own. And uh, during that tweet storm, I remember I said, I mentioned the phrase unthinking majority. I, I am certain and I can see it from just being in some of these NFT communities that people like the, the most people that are own NFTs are also completely clueless to, to what they actually are. It's it's like so often people are under the assumption that they actually own the image or the JPEG that they have, but it's not even true. It's like where when you own an NFT, in most cases, it's just a link to a picture that is on some server, right? And there is a lot of dangers with that too. In in my mind what what NFTs are, right? It's like NFTs are whatever value the people that have produced those tokens the people behind them decide the value of it, right? So when you buy an NFT, what you're truly investing in is the person behind it. Because at any point in time, the people behind the NFT that you've bought into or whatever, they could just say, fuck off, and they could just disappear. This term, like, they, they, they can rug pull it at any point in time. What you're truly investing in is like a fucking receipt that... um you know, tells you that you are one of X amount of people that owns this receipt. And the value comes from whatever the creators choose to give that value, right? So what you're truly investing in is is people. And such a premise invites a lot of bad actors, naturally. There's a lot of bad actors because... There's people out there that can just promote something and then just conjure up a bunch of lies about what it's going to be. They're going to sell you on roadmaps. They're going to tell you this is super good. This is going to happen. We're going to be in the metaverse. You're going to buy our merchandise. And then they just fuck off and leave. And uh, there is no repercussion about it. And then there is the occasional project that is truly dedicated to create something long-term, but even that, maybe maybe they won't be able to, right? Maybe they won't be able to, because we don't know where this is truly leading. But it's fascinating, you know? It's fascinating to dig a little bit deeper on a topic than to just jump on whatever, you know, people are using as public opinion, because always... It was the same with with cryptocurrency, right? When people were like, yeah, well, uh, people using cryptocurrency to launder money. Well, it's like money laundering happens in every currency, you know? But... The, the state of it is definitely a joke. The, the state of it currently is currently uh, is is it's for it's for sure a joke. For sure, it's a joke. I, I agree with that. It's like there, there's some, you know, uh, project leaders that that are interesting, smart individuals, but that's about it, you know. But I can see a world where maybe in many, many years the concept of NFTs cuts out the middlemen and uh, it, it it enables, you know, creators uh, to to create and to 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 give back uh, openly, uh, you know, uh, without any publisher or someone double dipping their hand into things and just, uh, you know, creators create, players play, and and consumers consume, there's no nothing over that, you know? That's the idea of decentralization, right? But maybe it's just a pipe dream. It's it's, it's very tricky to know. And then, you know, the evaluation for some tokens, because that's what you have, you're, you're buying a token, you're not really buying a picture, and right? you're not going to, uh, you know, necessarily... You know, you don't necessarily own that picture. It's like whatever these these uh, these people's It's not like some kind of deed that you can do whatever that you want with the picture. Like maybe the, the the project leaders can tell you that, but before it's in paper, uh, before there's like you know actual you know evidence behind it, you're just taking. You're just taking, you know, the word of the project design, right? Yeah, the the value is definitely controlled by the creator, yes. It's is decentralized it decentralized in, in the sense that there is creator consumer. There's there's no additional layer to it, right? Yeah, like, like I, 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 could definitely, you know, the the positive side of it would be, let's say, I have an account with every skin in the game of League of Legends, and then Riot could choose to permaban my account, and uh, they could do it for no reason at all because they still have ownership of the things that I've bought. I don't actually own anything in a world where. NFTs would be involved in a game, for example, and I could freely trade it. I buy something, I could sell it, and and so forth. Uh, th- I wouldn't have uh, this issue, right? But at the same time, you know the the future Asia I see. If you begin to monetize every aspect of your life, everything that you do is just monetized. You play a game; it's monetized. It just feels like the rich will just get richer, right? it would be very sad um it's 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 just in in a world where everything is monetized the people with money are going to have an advantage <laughs> at least you know if i think of of the context of some of the games that i played let's say world of warcraft right world of warcraft there's a lot of titles there's a lot of mounts that are very unique and uh, um Like imagine if you could just buy anything of that, which would ki- would which would kind of suck. But as you can see, like I'm talking about this topic like a fucking caveman. So I'm I'm truly you know just starting to learn about it, and it's just curious to to follow along. You know. Yeah, there's a lot of fucking scams. There's so many scams. So many scams. It is there is security issues with with the metamask and there's so many uh, that it's it it pays so well to to hack and to fish information and to you know to to prey on the gullible it it pays so well right now and that's that sucks you know and 99.9999% of all of the NFT projects that are out there right now are going to be complete worthless. Completely worthless. It's just what it is. It is what it is. Sadly. It's funny, you know, it's like as I mentioned before, I I I own a couple of NFTs just to have some skin in the game, to, to be curious enough to, to learn about it. But like some of these communities are so like fake it's it's like it's so weird. It's like so unnatural. It's it's insanely unnatural. It's like always, yeah, I'm, I'm Bro, I'm I'm joining. I, I bought this NFT because I like the community. Community. The, I like the community. It's like... This, I don't buy at all. Uh, it's like... I, I'm a part of a couple of these discords and I'm just paying attention to them sometimes and I'm just looking. It's like... Everyone's trying to be like so fucking overly nice. You know, it's like if someone in the chat asks a question, it's like, how do I get whitelist? And then it's like 15 people answer because everyone wants to come across as a super nice guy. I'm a nice guy. I support people that want NFTs and want whitelist. Maybe it will pay off in the long run for me. This is is like, everyone's like being super nice, but it's so ungenuine so it's it's very strange it's in fact it's like absurd i don't believe in the whole community idea especially when it's like you, you there is so much incentive for people to boost something right It's just it's just strange. I can definitely see a future, you know, where um you know maybe uh a creator um keeps, you know, let's say he has he creates a token, it's a fan token, there's ten thousand of them, uh he's going to whoever is, you know, uh whoever prints prints out these tokens or who mints these tokens is going to get exclusive content, and they're going. It's basically going to be like a like a subscription that you've paid for, right? But you truly own it yourself. And um, as the perceived value of uh, that creator's creations within that community increases, the value of what you purchase also increases, and maybe there's some some fine line there too. But it relies on trusting this creator to not just get fucking bored one day and just say, tell you to fuck off. That's the tricky thing always. It's like you are choosing to trust someone very dearly. A lot of these NFTs are very pyramid schemey. but at the same time in in some context it's like there are things that have value because people have chosen to value them just that right like i come from card card collecting so like i collect cards i have thousands of euros worth of pokemon cards so i understand how perceived value functions right it's like it's like rarity beauty hype all of these things pl- play part in how things are valued, it isn't necessarily only about. It isn't necessarily only about. Oh, this has to be useful. You know? It's also as 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 human beings. People are so, uh, you know. They they are so. I'm trying to find the right words for this, but status is so important to people, you know? It's like, we are not only buying clothes for the function, right? You're buying clothes because you want to express yourself. You're buying clothes because you want to, you know, show something off. Sometimes I wear a Gucci belt, I have a Louis Vuitton scarf, you know, Honestly, I love the quality of these items, and I know I'm like whenever I buy an item of 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 this caliber, I know that I'm going to keep it for the rest of my life. I just take care of it well, you know. I have, for example, my Louis Vuitton scarf here. I got it as a gift. This is like 500 euro, right? And um, the the scarf is something that I'm going to keep for the rest of my life because I cherish it, right? I could cherish it, and for me, it's it's very meaningful. I think it's be- beautiful. I, I I like it, right? It's very rare you come across a person that is just buying clothes for the function, right? And yeah, these, these headlines definitely don't help, right? It's like this NFT just sold for eight thousand Ethereum, which is the equivalent of twenty four million. You know, it's like this can be very, you know, enticing. The average person it's like wow uh, like imagine i i invest i'm gonna invest in the next i'm gonna find the next crypto project and it's gonna be the next crypto punks and it's gonna be fucking crazy you know i'm one of my fucking baby millionaires then he goes to his friend groups so, like yo guys i'm fucking investing in nfts i found these fucking lizards these lizards some of these lizards the rarest ones they have fucking laser beams coming through their eyeballs and they are so fucking cool and the community and it's like, you know, those are the people that are going to get so fucking grieved and burned by this. Yeah, that's that's also really a really fucked thing, you know? How often is that just selling to yourself to pump the price? That's also a fucked thing uh, with, with the whole... You know, there's, there's a lot of fucking issues with, with with NFTs. A lot of fucking problems, you know? But let's be honest... Which system is without flaws? It's like, which system is without flaws? Is the stock market without flaws? Or have we just gotten used to it? It's like, we've seen some of the fucking issues with the stock market. Sometimes some blue chip stocks also fluctuate insane in prices. And there was the moment where there was a short squeeze of GME and they had to stop. You know, it's just, there's like a a lot of the systems that we rely on today are really fucking flawed. Even the idea of money is really fucking silly. It's like money is like, we believe this is money. It's like the US dollar is pegged to, it's like... The fucking oil market is being sold in the, in the dollar, so it's like, yeah, the dollar is, is strong, or whatever the fuck. I'm not an economist, but, you know, in the past, at least, you know, the concept of money was first. It's like, okay, we're, we're going to we're going to make these coins out of these fucking expensive and rare metals. You know, it's like, we're going to have these rare metals, and they are useful, you, know, you can find a use for them. It's shiny. You like it. It's, it's, it's gorgeous to look at. We're going to use this as the currency of the town. And then it expanded like that. And then one day, some guy wanted to buy a house. And he's like, oh, shit, dude. I don't want to fucking carry 20 kilo steel and 5 kilo gold and fucking lead and whatever the fuck. Uh, whatever metals. He's like, I don't want to fucking carry this. So I'm going to give you a piece of paper. That is a deed, okay, it's gonna be a deed, I'm gonna write on the deed, this means that you own X amount. And that's how bills happen, right? It's like a dollar bill, it's just a fucking piece of paper, right? It's fucking printed, whatever, it's just a piece of paper. Then eventually, this idea of supporting it with gold or, or any metal is just disappeared, it's just gone, it's like, no, it's just paper. <laughs> It's just it's just when when people say that you know there, there's a lot of fucking flaws with NFTs for sure like don't get me wrong guys there's, there's so much bleh, so much shit but it's like when you say when you have an issue, it's like NFTs are flawed, but most systems in society today are really fucking flawed too. That's all I wanted to point out. So, always the question is What are you comparing it to? It actually started for trade to avoid pirates so That's very fucking interesting Maybe I should look up you know, the history of money It's very interesting That sounds very interesting It's like even the political systems, you know, it's like, isn't it crazy that you, that companies can fund politicians? Isn't, isn't that just fucked? That's just fucked. Don't you think? That's just, that, 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 that's just fucked. Like, what's that? Uh, how does it make sense? How does it make sense at all? And it's like the political system—the problem of it goes deep, you know. And and that's the, that's the fucked up part about everything is just if you have enough money. Whatever comes up, you can just control it. It's also the same, like, like uh, this. This is turning into a fucking episode of fucking Joe Rogan on weed or something. But yeah, it's it's literally legal corruption. Yeah, whistleblowers are criminals. Yeah, it's it's just the the, the system is like all systems in place right now, completely fucked. But I'm I'm happy, you know, because. There's a lot of systems that work too, you know? It's like, for example, the fact that convenience stores, it's like, I can go downstairs, go to Reve, there's fruit, there's berries, there's potatoes, there's snacks, there's drinks, there's meat, there's everything in that store. Imagine the system behind that. There's, There's farms, there's transportation. It's like, whoa, what a world, man. Thank you very much, Skyler Perry, for your subscription. There's Jack Lynx in the store. There's Monster. You know, it's 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 crazy. Some systems are insane. Now I don't want to come across as too nihilistic, but some things are crazy, don't you think? Yeah, I, you like you've never seen a farm in your life, but you probably have eaten vegetables or fruit. You know that that shit comes from somewhere. You know, it's 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 crazy. Like some things are are, are amazing, right? Some things are 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 crazy that that they exist. It's like the concept of money is also insane. There's so many things that are crazy, really. I, I like I don't get people that are bored. How can you be bored? I don't even know the meaning of bored. I don't have enough time. How can you be bored? How can you be bored? It's impossible to be bored. So many things to, to... I literally, right now, I want to learn about the origin story of money. Someone said that it's because of pirates. How crazy is that? Fucking pirates. you a communist. Confirmed. No, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Why am I a communist? fucking funny, Mitch. (laughs) But, yeah. Once again, guys. um, I'm never gonna ever say... I'm never gonna partner up with a fucking NFT project or whatever the fuck. I would never fucking peddle anything to my fans that could be potentially dangerous. No fucking way. You know? I, I... don't know enough about it And I probably never will Because I'm busy It's like I'm gonna talk about League of Legends You guys get to listen to me about League of Legends Because I'm an expert in League of Legends And that's why you guys follow me in the first place But I know that people also like me So it's like I'm not a hairstylist But people ask me like Well how how, how did you do your hair? Like what's, what's your routine with your hair? You know well It's like sure I'm gonna share that but it can be potentially very dangerous, so I'm not gonna fucking talk about it, right? Just, I, I wouldn't want my fans to to get sucked into these shitty NFTs that I've bought. You know, it's fucking no way, and I only did it to have skin in the game because I'm curious. I'm 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 really curious. I'm curious to learn more because I haven't learned enough. But it's funny, right? it's funny how negative the reaction was when I said who should I bring on the podcast who should I bring on the podcast to talk about NFTs the reaction was like "Oh, global warming bro Global warming bro I checked it yes I answered it to you brother. It's it's like those uh, the, the outrage police was uh was, was crazy. You should have a politics podcast. No fucking way, man. (laughs) No fucking way. It's like, I am Palestinian myself. So... It's... I am very biased because my ancestors were robbed and my ancestors were murdered in cold blood so I am biased my grandfather's brother was, was killed in front of him so I'm biased but nevertheless I'm just curious to learn more I'm just curious to learn more. And I think people should be allowed to do that. You know? Yo Yamara made your new TikTok. Go check the FCC. I tagged you. Bro, could you send it to me? Uh, I don't have notifications on anymore for the FCC. Could you send it to me uh, directly? Uh, like, we, we DM'd a little bit. Uh, I'm super grateful, John. You, you you the man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Everyone is biased to some extent. Yeah, for sure. It's like we we are a collection of our experiences, right? So that's what we are. Uh, just um, you know, projecting outwards, which is a collection of our experience. I'd say it's more more nurture than um, than nature. But our nature is how we respond to nurture. That's why more discourse is necessary, not less. Yeah, I agree. It's like when you begin to ban ideas and and cancel out people's rights to speak about things, it's like if, if what they're saying is so dumb, just, just beat it with better speech. Uh, Yes, the Afro-Viking, yes. But I I cannot educate anyone before I consider myself very knowledgeable about something, right? And I probably, just because the majority opinion about NFTs is is negative, the first people I'm going to have on the Voice of Mana will be people with the more, uh, you know, negative view on it. I had a chat with a man who made a very, very good video uh in regards to it uh I believe his name was John 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 John, John 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 John, John, John. I spoke to you, John, I'm trying to scroll, I'm scrolling scrolling, I don't see John Cena, yeah John Cena. When does the podcast start? This is the podcast, man. This is the most scuffed podcast on the planet. (laughs) He didn't even know that the podcast had started. (laughs) This is fucking hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, Josh. His name is Josh. (laughs) His name is Josh. Josh Strife Hayes made a nice, very simple video of NFTs, and uh, I was thinking of just having a chat uh, with him. Josh. Josh Strife Hayes. I believe Mr. Folded Ideas uh, would be, you know, uh, Mr. Folded Ideas uh, wouldn't um, take the time. To jump on this po- sc- scuff podcast, so it is what it is, you yeah. know. John sounded cooler, to be honest. <laughs> Papa John, and nevertheless, oi. Yeah. So to end on that note, I am just intrigued to learn more. You know, NFTs is something that is talked about a lot, and uh, I'm not the type of person to just suck up the first thing that I see or read. You know, and I think just because there's there's two sides of it, it's 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 interesting. You know, and always it's always when 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 something is so, you know. In in the zeitgeist of, of, of uh, you know, web two you know on Twitter, then it's always you know the lo- loudest are always the two extremes. You know the two extremes are always the loudest. It's like NFTs, it's just a scam. It's just for people to loan their money, and it, it's gonna burn our world down. Maybe true, but still very extreme. And then this other extreme, NFTs, are the future. This is the way to break away from the new world order, and we're going to, you know, we're gonna start new society. These JPEGs are the future. Yeah, people scam people with NFTs, but people scam people with everything, right? <laughs> it's just, it's 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 just that's just it, you know. That Latvian guy, you know, you show up every now and then, but you 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 drop some IQ in the chat you know appreciate you and i was i was shocked when people said you know people assumed that i have a bias because i am for nfts or something no not at all it's like i just i think if you have the standpoint that you need something to succeed then that's fucked but I would like to know beforehand, before something succeeds, if I believe in it or not. But I would never try to use my influence to try to sway the value of something. It makes no sense. It's like, imagine I purchased GameStop stocks and all I did all day was like, GameStop, yeah, baby, buy GameStop today. Fuck yeah. No, this, like, this would be horrible. Like this, this, is, this is terrible. When people ask me what I think about NFTs, I just tell them that I'm not informed enough to have an opinion. Yeah, that's how I feel too. And I've watched plenty of 30-minute videos about them. And I've had conversations about them. But I understand far enough that it's like... An NFT is a unique token created on a specific blockchain that only functions on that specific blockchain. And the value of that token is determined by the creator of said token. And basically what it is, it's like you're a part of some kind of club, you know? Some kind of club. It's just... The danger of it all... Is the moment... The creator... Decides to... I... I, I can imagine the issue. It's like... Imagine... I'm an up-and-coming upcom- rapper. You have an opportunity... To invest... In the future... Of my rap career. And you can purchase this token. You can mint it. The money goes to me. And then... If my career takes off, you're going to be able to also increase the value of this said token, you have ownership in my future. But the moment I, as a creator, like imagine you guys have all these tokens, they're being traded around and they're being sold back and forth and people are excited about my career, Um, I have a feature with Drake, me and Migos are like, hey, 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 hey. You know, it's like it's a it's a it's a big old song, you know. And then I just decide, fuck this NFT. I'm gonna make a new one with a new mint price. Fuck this one. And then the, the value is just non-existent anymore. It just disappears. Because I as a creator just made that decision. It's like what is the motivation to continue to isn't value always defined by how much something is willing, uh, someone is willing to pay for something? Yes, but who's willing to pay for something if the creator no longer supports it? Right. That's that's the key thing. It's like the value of something is obviously going to fall drastically the moment the creator is no longer supporting it. So that's what I mean, right? And that's that's the danger of it. It's like you're always there's a there's a massive reliance on the creator. The crazy thing is, as well, it's like there's these crypto punks, right? Somebody sent millions on these crypto punks, right? And the whole thing, the whole idea is, it's it's a status symbol. It's a status symbol, right? Uh, and, and that's it. But th- th- it, it, there could be a world where link rot happens and all of a sudden these tokens don't link to anything. That could happen. And then it's just a token. It doesn't link to anything. It's not even a fucking JPEG. Crazy. Thank you very much about Dream7, but the only thing I know is that I know nothing. I just I know nothing, you know. It's just it's it's interesting, you know this this interests me. I'm I'm curious. I just want to to learn more, you know. Are there any NFTs that give you something close to safety nets? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I know there's NFTs that you can like stake it and you get like some random coin like fucking fucking bubble tea coin and those bubble tea coins you can use to whatever the fuck, you know, there's it's like yeah. I don't know I'm not there yet on in terms of my knowledge but I'll keep you guys in the loop can't wait for KDA, Akadi, NFT maybe it will happen, maybe not uh, stay safe out there I am not recommending anyone to, to buy anything, really don't do your own research do whatever the fuck you want. Like, I. Uh, there's a world where all of it is bullshit, you know? Have you ever played Path of Exile? Yes. Buy Bitcoin and shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. As I mentioned, it's like I own a couple of NFTs, just to have enough skin in the game to care. But I am ready for those NFTs to hit zero. It's the same, right? It's, it's the same thing happened in the the crypto world, right? It's like you have the big players that 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 have stood the test of time you know Bitcoin has been around for a long time and you know it's, it's it's always funny it's like yeah, Bitcoin has very little use cases but it's like the dollar bill has billions of use cases and the value of that is still depreciating right so it isn't only about use cases but nevertheless uh, and then there's all these shit coins so many shit coins it's like of all these fucking coins that say they are the Bitcoin killer, Ethereum killer, also garbage. So much fucking garbage. And it's the same storyline, always the same headline. Shiba Inu, 14 year old boy that likes dog, bought coin with his trust wallet, used mother's credit card. Now millionaire. And then it's like, wow. I am going to be the one. That is going to find this next coin that is going to blow up. I will find this next coin. Wow. This coin has a different dog on it. Dogecoin went to the moon. Elon Musk tweeted about it. Shiba Inu coin, another dog. Pitbull coin. I'm just making shit up. This is a fake story, right? Pitbull coin. Holy, it's a dog, it's a coin, to the moon, baby. Actually, to Jupiter. Why should we settle at the moon? We're going to Jupiter. And it's like all the questions of what the fuck it really is, is just gone. It's just, it's just crap. (laughs) It's just garbage. It's just, it's just shit so much the saddest ones are when the creators of said coin actually believe the lies that they are telling you know that's the, the 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 really saddest one like come rocket coin or whatever the fuck you know it's it's crazy it's a crazy world out there fucking save yourselves my friends be very careful with your own money Because that's your sweat and tears right like there, man Very careful Alright We are now reaching the Q&A section of the podcast Fucking cum rocket Yeah, it's, it was a coin called cum rocket Bro It was called cum rocket <laughs> It's really mental, man Insanity fucking come rocket it was oh my like the amount of Elon Doge there was Elon Gate Elon Moon. Moon Elon Moon Tesla. It's it's so much shit. So much shit. And and it's like the whole idea is like, yo, I'm gonna get fucking rich. I just need to buy early. The coin is cheap. Look at how cheap it is. I can buy two billion coins, baby. I can buy two billion cum rockets right now. I can buy two million cum rockets. And if these, if Come Rocket goes to one dollar, I will have two million dollars. And then it's like, but bro, do you realize with 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 the how what how much the market cap would be if 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 ComRocket would go to one dollar? It would be, it would be valued at like six trillion dollars. Do you think that makes sense? Like, would it be, would it be valued higher than Apple? Is that is that what you're thinking here? Really really, you, you believe in comrock at that heart because of the logo and, and the meme. Really? Okay. That's uh that's a very that's a that's a that's a very that's a that's a very good uh, investment plan. Really. That's um uh, comrock is definitely gonna be just more value than than Apple one day, that's for sure. Jesus, same thing in NFT world, really, Like same thing in the NFT world, so many fucking random shitters, you know, just really fucking random shitters, and it's like, what the fuck, it's like, some of these, these, like, fucking NFTs, it's like, if, like, random JPEG, 64 pixels picture, um, whatever animal you can think of, think, it's just mention an animal, all right, we're, we're gonna make an imaginary NFT right now. Like, let's, let's make a. Mention random animal guys, guys in the chat. Give me some random animals. Just, just, just mention an animal. Cat. Too easy. Dolphin. All right. We're going to make an NFT called. But to have like a really powerful sound. Banger dolphins. Banger dolphins. Banger dolphins, they're gonna have fucking, some of them, the rarest ones are gonna have laser beams shooting through their eyes, everyone's gonna have a profile picture of this fucking dolphin, and we're gonna have a community, we're gonna have a community, then we're gonna make a dolphin coin, and with this dolphin coin, you're gonna get airdropped one dolphin coin every week, if you hold your banger dolphin. And with these dolphin coins, you're going to be able to buy accessories. You're going to buy accessories for your dolphin. You're going to be able to buy these cool glasses. You know, these fucking glasses that are, are completely just fucking overused. You know, it's like, you know, the deal with it glasses. Imagine if you have those glasses and your laser beams are still shooting through the eyes and shit like that. You know, imagine how cool that would be. These fucking dolphin coins, and you can send them them to people. You can send dolphin coins to other people. Like, imagine your friend. He needs three dolphin coins to buy himself a hat with a dollar sign on it. He needs three coins, but he only has two. You can help him out. Community, baby. To the moon, man. And uh, that's, like, most of the NFT projects. But then, you know, some... Some, there's very rare, some projects out there, maybe one or two, maybe the creator team behind it are actually intelligent people that are trying to build something bigger. Basically, owning that NFT is, it's the same as investing in said people. You're hoping that whatever they're building, uh, they're going to have enough skin in the game through royalty fees and so forth, through the trade of these NFTs in order for them to continuously add value to said NFT. And that's the hope, right? That consumer and creator is going to be this close to each other and there's not going, going to be people above, distributors, agents, managers, and whatever the fuck. Uh, it's not going to be, you know, that's the hope. But there's a lot of trust there. A lot of fucking trust, so st- be careful out there, my friends. Be very careful, very, very fucking careful. Let's go to Q&A. Jakub Kaminski asks, how much of responsibility do you take after a lost game? I know you want to protect your players, but sometimes games are already lost in draft. and sometimes players just make a mistake that leads to defeat. You're responsible for everything. I take responsibility for everything, because naturally, I believe that maybe I could have said something different. Maybe I could have prepared the players differently. Maybe I could have prepared myself differently in order to push the team in the right direction. It's it's the idea of ultimate responsibility. It's like if you're in a group, if you're in an environment, you want to be inspired to nourish every aspect of it. You know, for, for the players, for example, let's say. I make the schedule, but they believe, oh, maybe we can make some adjustments to the schedule that would be better for us and for you, right? I made the schedule, that's my job, but it's also in their best interest to share their perspective. The same thing happens in everything, right? You can, as a person, take responsibility over everything in your surroundings, because in the end, there is a way you could have made a difference. And to believe the opposite, puts you in a position where you're not powerful. You want to empower yourself. You want, You should always truly believe that you could have been the difference. And always in hindsight, studying how you could have become, how you could be the difference is what is going to push you into becoming better. If you, for example, the, the day against vitality, I'm going to study that day and see the things that we could have done def- different as a team. And... Maybe there was something I could have said. Maybe something I could have prepared. Maybe something I could have done in order to push my players in the right direction, put our preparation in the right direction, and so forth. You know, that is very, very important. So, ultimate responsibility. Take responsibility over everything. Everything around you. Responsible for it. Kai asks... Is Riot reacting too quickly and uneffectively whenever come some cheese strat becomes meta? I feel like in pro play, people don't even play Smite properly yet. Why try to remove it from the game before people even have the chance to strategize and anti-strategize properly? I think the issue with... Um, like... The issue with some game-breaking strategies is that um, they're exactly that. They're game-breaking. There is no line of continuity. It's like imagine there's a curve of progression that the whole, the whole scene is, is like following along, right? There's like a skilled progression in terms of how the game is going to be played. And then slowly the whole community kind of catches up, right? It's like back in Season 1, laning was very stupid. Ganking was very stupid. Like everyone, like even the best players, like most of my lanes, I won them by using an XP quint and getting level two first. And that was just my level of brilliancy back then. You know, I had a two, two, two percent XP quint. I uh, got level two after six millions. Played jacks all in with my ignite, and uh, and that's it. You know, uh, won the game on the spot. Brilliant. And nowadays it wouldn't work as well because the general community has gotten a lot better, right? In a more natural progression, right? And if something like this occurs, it requires the whole community to relearn the game in a very different manner. And, and it's too drastic of a change. So I believe things like this should be fucking hammered down to the ground as soon as possible. I believe that Riot didn't act, act fast enough. Because it was too far away from what the idea of what League of Legends is currently for the average player. That's the problem. And meta changes should be, come in, in smaller increments so the community can follow along and it's understandable. If you take a one-week break and you come back and the game is completely fucking different, imagine you're a Darius OTP, right? You just take a break, you're going on vacation with your wife, your kids, you come back. Playing against fucking Janna Smite top. What the fuck is happening? That's not an enjoyable experience at all. It's frustrating for everyone involved in that game. It's just too too game breaking, too meta changing, too fucking hard to to adjust to it at such a short term. And uh, you know, meta changes are sprinkled in slowly, 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 and the community can like adapt to it uh, uh, more uh, more effectively. Because if the game changes too fast, too rapidly, I think a lot of people will just be they would just push out a lot of players from the game that uh, they've created and a lot of aspects that people enjoy and uh, making top lane in, into such a non factor is truly you know you know a mistake of theirs but at the same time you know it's um it's it's very difficult to to predict i imagine for them all of the abuse cases that have occurred but if you remember i was doing this on stream day one when TP changed so like like TP changed and like I, I was doing it not when TP changed I was doing it when um, what's it called when they just changed the bounties I was playing sauna top I lane to level three base for my spell thieves and then I just started roaming that's what I did uh, like I did that the moment they made they made bounties appear. And I knew Spell Thieves was fucking broken, and uh, Spell Thieves is the most cost-efficient item in the game. It's like so fucking ridiculously broken, and uh, I was doing that already from day one. You know, this this was easy for me to see, but I didn't see the layer of adding Smite to it, which is just uh, an <laughs> like an additional point of, of really fucking pain. I was just playing Barrier Flash. But nevertheless, uh, we continue. Um, Finn... Asks, do you think traditional wisdom of war, Sun Tzu, helps you to approach it league, or is it at a point where it's too nuanced and you need to go deeper into detail? For example, fast move wins battle, be like water and so on. Uh, and, well, I, I think definitely there's a lot of principles in art of war that that apply. Like only engaging in battles that you know are going to be won. If um there is a point that the enemy is defending heavily, either attack other points, right? It's like if the enemy team is defending the bot dive, you're not gonna shoehorn the dive in because you are going to give them even numbers. Instead, you're going to move to a less defended location. There's a lot of wisdoms that uh, Sun Tzu has in his book Art of War or the collection of whatever it is uh, that apply to League of Legends. Right? It's it's very important. It's, it's it has a lot of good conversations about morale, how to choose fights, how to uh, attack a point that the enemy is heavily defending. These are things that really, really apply to League of Legends. And there's a lot of wisdom to take from, from many places that apply to to the strategy of League of Legends, for sure. Nick M, who is the Dark Horse team with the most potential to upset the highest seed in the playoffs as of right now? I would say XO. XO is looking on the up and up. I think they have good players. I don't think they have necessarily like uh, a player that has a super big weak weakness, I'm not super impressed by Finn. I think that is the guy probably that maybe could be a weakness. But at the same time, I think he's doing fine. Like in the game against us, he played the Good Graves and XL beat us. And I think XL could be, you know, a dark horse. Have you ever considered screaming the Academy team? Yes. Um you could say they are as good teams like SQL BDS. No, there's a lot of LEC teams that are already on my blacklist and I don't plan to ever book them again. And uh, there are definitely LFL, like there's teams in other leagues that are um definitely, you know, trying to pretty much wait, did I say black horse? I went dark horse There's definitely teams that are on my blacklist already So I I do prefer to to Scrim some DRL teams uh, Of them I will not mention names Coach give advice If you had one balance change Not champion or item related What would you do and why Hmm Hmm These questions are always difficult for me because I just see the game for what it is. It's like, I I don't have any bias in terms of how I believe the game should be because I think the beauty of the game is the imperfection of it. The imperfection of the game makes us able to always explore new things within the game. And... If anything, you know, I think the, the, the smite thing, top should have just been hotfixed earlier, but at the same time, the fact that, that it's not, I believe is an advantage for us. Because probably in the DC we're the only team that are ready to play it. So, all in all, I just take whatever comes my direction in terms of what the game is, and I just adapt to it. It's only natural him I don't really have like a change I would want you know like there, there's some champions that I believe are not so good for the game that maybe I would want to remove like I think Irelia Irelia Yumi Zeri I think they they, they break a lot of rules of the game, and I don't like that too much. But at the same time, they create... a little bit of chaos, which is also nice. Iliam asks, how do you motivate the players after an all 2 week? How do you feel after winning or losing a weekend? The important thing is, what do you have in place What what, what do you have in place before the results? That's what's important. That's what's going to define you. Because sometimes results cannot... the, The results don't necessarily tell you the whole truth. Sometimes results can even lie. You could be winning and playing bad. Right? So results don't tell you the whole story. So it's just a question of What is the the system you have in place to improve? Because if you are going to make your decisions based off of you winning or losing on the weekend, you're going to just make emotionally driven decisions. It's like, if the moment you lose is the point where you're choosing to make major changes, then what is the structure that you put in place from day one? Do you believe in your structure so little that the moment you lose one game that you want to change everything? And the same way about winning, it's like, if you win, is that going to blind you to the truth about the process that you've created so far? The only thing that is required of you as a competitor is to always refine the process regardless of the result. Because let's say you have a 3-0 weekend in a super week. For starters, that might sound good to, to the ears. But let me give you some details about this 3-0 Super Week. For Like, this didn't happen this year. But let's say, you go 3-0, but it happens that the teams that you beat, they all were insanely sick, they had shit internet, and um, you just they just didn't know how to draft, and they couldn't practice for three weeks, and you beat them. Those details matter a lot, right? And maybe there were things that you were doing in these games that were inherently terrible, but you just got away with it because your te- the enemy team didn't give you enough resistance to really highlight it in the result. So if you're going to only look at the result and do results-based analysis, then you're in a world of pain because the truth is in the gameplay, not in the result. Sheheb says, not a question, but my name is Bupo. I miss Bupo too, uh, genuinely. I, I, I like him. I said on Double's new podcast that they screen their academy team a lot. How valuable is having a strong academy team like Fnatic seems to have in terms of potentially hiding strategy, maybe tasting stuff you don't want other teams to find out you practice? Do you regularly scream Fnatic TQ or? Uh, not so much, no. I think it's more relevant when you're preparing for playoffs because I think right now it's, it's not so much about finding like some crazy cheese to beat opponents, especially on the level that we want to operate under. It's all about just refining gameplay because I think gameplay in the end is more important than finding some niche pick there There is an advantage in creating you know your own bubbles in terms of what you practice, so it's like one big advantage that c nine have is that they are going to be the only team in the league that plays the way they play so they are going to be the only ones with the most amount of practice in regards to how they play it was the same with us in Vitality, we dove every cannon wave with with RISE on side and we were doing this ahead of anyone back in 2018 we were diving every lane with and, and and Cabo and we were playing super super well around waves And that made us very awkward to play against. We were not the same as the other teams in the league. And that gave us an advantage. When teams had to prepare against us and they couldn't scrim us for two weeks, they were scrimming against teams that had nothing to do with how we played. So they couldn't necessarily prepare. They just had to hope that they were good enough at their own way of playing in order to beat us. And there's an advantage in that. But... Most of the time, the teams that win leagues are just teams that don't rely on such, you know, I don't want to say cheesy advantage, but such advantages. Usually it's just plain good League of Legends makes a difference in the end, uh, uh, winning, uh, you know, winning a whole league. It will only get you so far. Thank you very much for the three cheeseburgers, the local kebab shop, I appreciate it. Babazur, I appreciate you too, thank you very much. What can Riot do to make top lane relevant again? Unkpli, Uh Just remove this whole smite thing, and uh, then that's cool. You know, uh, top laners need to understand that they can leave their lane without TP2. It's like, let's say, I push in top wave, I roam mid, And uh, maybe I sack six minions to invest some time into mid lane or invade enemy jungle, or maybe I I base and I walk into bot and I understand the price that I'm willing to pay on top side in order for me to achieve something elsewhere. This is something that is lost on most top laners. And uh, these are the guys that uh, are never going to break um, Master. You know? Michael Ilavsky, how's the team performing in terms of percentages 100% being their peak? I believe we are at like at a solid maybe like 45-50% right now. At the Patriot, is it true that coaches take on some sort of fatherly figure role for players? Yes, in some essence, but it depends on the player, you know? It's like, for example, with Marek, I most of the time just give him space to do his thing. I don't feel the need to put my fingerprint on on anything that I don't think needs to be pushed on, you know? It's like, I want players to be the best version of themselves and I want to help that as much as possible and sometimes I can be that blessed that some players don't need that additional help, you know? And then I just give input on some of the smaller things and, uh, and so forth, but... Uh, it it just depends on the player, and uh, that's the role. You need to be very adaptable as a coach, and you need to uh, fulfill the role of whatever players need. And sometimes giving players space is the way. Sometimes being very harsh with players. Sometimes you need to be uh, very uh, you know delicate with players. It, it it depends on the players, you know. Slimy asks, uh, what do you feed your players for them to be so OP? Uh, we have a decent catering company. We, just eat, uh, we always have uh, fresh cut veggies, which is nice, like uh, cucumber, paprika, and uh, some carrots. I love that shit. Fnatic Fan TV asks, what do you think of C9's drafting style? Could it influence Fnatics in some way? Well, the only unique thing they've done is just play Enchanted Smith, right? Um I don't think mm. No. I, I don't think it's gonna influence us. It's like of course I'm paying attention to it, but um I can say so far that I haven't seen anything that would make me want to like wow uh, this is something we we need to really try but at the same time there's only been three games and it's very low volume and um, I'm also not scribbling against c nine so it's 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 hard to know for sure Mitch uh, asks for opinion on importance of nutrition and sports and how every seven teams lean into over uh, other areas I believe. It's, 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 it's so tricky with nutrition, right? Because the, the immediate benefits of having a good diet, it's, it's more about counteracting the bad more so than achieving good. Because you could eat healthy and maybe just feel regular and normal. But if you eat bad, you feel terrible. Right, you're just gonna have a fucking food coma. You're not gonna be able to concentrate. A lot of the energy that your money, like your body, uh, disposes of, is being used uh, to um, to digest food, and uh, that is not ideal. Right, that's not optimal at all. That is, in fact, um, quite troll. And um, all in all. Um, I believe nutrition is insanely important, Um, sports as well, because I think it's very easy to underestimate how much energy it takes to get through a whole best of five and to be able to concentrate. And uh, conditioning yourself and your body in preparation for that is very important. I think it's important to do it with um the context in mind that it should be functional. It's very important to have functional strength. It doesn't make sense if we would train physically like Dorian Yates would do in his prime as he's trying to become uh you know Mr. Olympia. It doesn't make sense. We are focused more on, uh, you know, protecting our backs, strengthening our backs, doing uh, cardio, strengthening uh, our cores, making sure that, uh, you know, we do a lot of good stretches to, you know, stretch out the hip flexors and to make sure that the neck is, is, is doing good because of what we are putting our body through uh, on a day-to-day. But maintaining energy is, is very important and And the the mental aspect is also so important of it because these are just the cornerstones of performance and performance is is, is central for practice and also for um, just um, competing, right? If you are unable to perform and play to your best ability as often as possible, just because you're missing out on some of these cornerstones of, of performance, that is going to you know be a big detriment in the long run. But I think it's important to keep the line of making sure that it's functional. Because we are not preparing for marathons, right? But generally speaking, exercising is good for you. It helps you sleep. Sleep helps your digestion of information and it helps your digestion. And it's like sleep is the most important thing. Like sleep is so broken, you know, and and it's just, it all goes in circles. It's like you eat well, you can exercise well, you can sleep well, and you get yourself your sunlight. These are very simple things that uh, is going to, it, it's, it's going to improve any facet uh, uh, of of anyone's life, it's like just moving, sunlight, drinking water, eating, you know, whole foods. That is going to be beneficial to anyone. Yeah. These these things are just so broken. Very easy for anyone to do: to drink water, get sunlight, sleep. <laughs> really broken. <laughs> it's like when when I heard that uh, you know I I read this thing about how humans are the only mammal in the world that intentionally deprive themselves of sleep. That sentence in itself is just crazy in my ears, you know, it's like wow, yeah? But nevertheless, let's uh, round this off. How do you balance players' personal development and team development week to week? Do you focus on players' personal Uh, development? Well, it's kind of... uh, you kind of do both at the same time, you know? It's like when I have them in group, it's important that I focus on the group's uh, uh, development because I understand that players' attention span is very limited. So when I actually have them together as five, this is holy time. This is like religious time. I need to be very good with the information and confident in the information I give to all of them because the moment any of the players feel like i'm wasting someone's time that's not going to be great you know so when they are together as five and i have their full attention i make sure that it's something that is relevant to all of them and then throughout the day to day there's going to be a lot of individual points like i don't need to i don't need to tell the whole group yo ivan if you skipped golems here and paid attention to mid here, maybe we could have created something, an opportunity here. You could have been earlier here or hilly. If you if you based, instead of hitting this wave here, we could have been in time for this play and we could have created a situation. You know, this is not necessary for the whole group. So I'm not going to use the whole group's attention span for that, even though individual performance also crosses over to team performance. So it's all tied together, right? And to 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 find a balance, it's... It's just a question of uh, what has the most urgency. It's like uh, when the, the the five players are together, this is the most urgent things are team-related points because when I have the attention of five players, that situation, uh, you know, that, that time is just holy. So that's, that's how I balance it. Uh, but nevertheless, I think that's a good time uh, to end it. Uh, thank you so much for uh, uh, joining in. We had uh, Mitch that visited. Always good to see you, Crepo. Nelson also, uh, the little drive by. Happy to see them do well over at XL. Uh, the Mickey move is is doing wonders, and uh, uh, signing over Nelson seems to be a decent too. I look forward to facing XL uh, once again. We lost to them, respected them. Uh, we had a draft that uh, didn't scale so well, and uh, honestly, our draft was just, just wasn't good. Fucking. So Graves just pushing in Argwen all the time, and Graves saving the Corky from any danger, and we couldn't really punish the Corky with no flash. It was it was not the greatest, but nevertheless, uh, I'm gonna call it there. Um, all the best. If you have any questions, you can send them to me, and maybe we can talk about it on the next Voice of Imaru. Bye, guys.